0: Spy Cops Info Podcast A series on the undercover political police who spied on over one thousand campaign groups nineteen sixty eight Hashtag Spy Cops Pod Episode twenty three Jason Kirkpatrick and the German court case. Yeah, welcome to Spy Cops Info Podcast. Um, this week, we're very pleased to be speaking to, to Jason, who's who's based in Berlin. Um, so Jason, can you introduce yourself um, generally, but also what's your connection with this whole Spy Cops scandal?
1: Sure. Um, yeah, my name is Jason, Jason Kirkpatrick, and I'm a climate activist doing a lot of communications work, meaning I write press releases, I write articles, things like that. And I've been doing that kind of work as an activist for over 30 years and professionally as well. So that's my job right now. I'm I'm um, as an individual, I'm doing global communications for a big international climate uh, NGO that's called 350.org. But I'm speaking today for myself personally, definitely not for the organization, just for me. And a little bit more background is that I've been living in Berlin, Germany, for around 19 years. Before that, I did little bits of work in Prague, in the southwest of Germany. And I spent uh, two, two or three years in Belfast, Northern Ireland, and a bit of time in Derry, right after the ceasefires in the Belfast Peace Agreement, working in... Um, more working class areas and trying to bring folks together around issues of sustainable development. And before that, I was a, an activist and a city councilor, and then a vice mayor in Arcata, California, which at the time, oh at the time it was okay. called the Green Capital of the USA. So I have a very kind of diverse
0: background. Oh well, very interesting. Thanks, thanks for all that. Um, so obviously, so you say for the last nineteen years you were you've been based in in Berlin. So that means we're talking about we're going to talk about the undercover police officer Mark Kennedy. And so obviously that night that those nineteen years that would include because I think his deployment started in two thousand and three and finished in two thousand and ten. I think I'm right in saying so for all that time you would have been based in. In Berlin. So how did you meet him then, Jason?
1: Yeah, that's right. I met him in 2005 and at the time some people might remember or might know by now that a big protest or the biggest protest that year was in summer in Scotland around the G8 summit hosted by Tony Blair at the time. And there were a couple of key issues. A lot of people might remember the Make Poverty History campaign with Bono, the singer of u and a lot of others saying, hey, you know, we need to really get rid of this third world debt or glo- debt from the global south so that people can have a fighting chance to mm-hmm. survive. That was a really big campaign. There was a march with 100,000 people in, in Edinburgh. And another big theme there at the G8 was climate. And people, you know, it's not just in the last few years, but a long time people have been saying that the climate is a serious problem that affects the whole planet. And many of us, including myself, were active at that time doing communications around this. So I was doing the same kind of thing. I was writing press releases every day of the G8 Summit. And before that, I met Mark Kennedy um, on an info tour. So there was a group around the UK Mm -hmm. with a a bunch of folks that had organized lectures all around England and so on. And sometimes I I guess they'd gotten to to know Mark Uh Kennedy.
0: That was was the trapeze roadshow, was it?
1: That's right. That's right. And so I had a a contact, a friend that was active with that group, and they got in touch with me and said, Hey, Jason, you've been working a bit in Ireland and Northern Ireland, especially. And we're going to do an info tour and a little lecture and tell people about the coming G8 summit. And they were themes that I was working on or interested in around the climate, of course, um, poverty in, in the global south and debt. And my friend said, well, we've got this mate of ours in England, and his name is Mark, and he's got a truck that can drive us around, and he's offered to pay for it, and he's paying for the, the petrol. Mm-hmm. He's going to drive us through the Republic of Ireland, Northern Ireland. Hey, can you help us, by the way, with your contacts in Belfast and organize some lectures, mm-hmm. which, which I'd done um, at a place called the City Church, which is a, a center of Belfast church. Anyways, um, that's how I met him first right
0: right so actually uh, okay and so you met up with them actually in ireland did you i met
1: him in dublin, in dublin that's actually. right i met him in dublin okay. was introduced to him friendly enough guy you know as yeah, all yeah. these spy cops as they're called the spy cops they're all friendly right or else they wouldn't be spy cops i mean yeah they, they're trained. i mean i think
0: they they i think they tailored their personality to who they were speaking to often um so i think they had they, they had if you like multiple personalities in some ways you know um as other people have noted i mean yeah so the international aspect of this is probably the, the, if you like a new theme for this for for the podcast um and just to give a, a bit of context we we know from from the from the early days of the undercover the, the first undercover unit the special demonstration squad undercovers did go abroad they went on like there's a um a few sort of Marxist trotskyist conferences in Europe, but as far as we know, Mark Kennedy's travels outside of the the legal jurisdiction of England and Wales yeah. are definitely the most extensive by far. I mean, perhaps we'll find out about another one we don't know yet. he's done he's done even more travelling, but as far as we know, so you mentioned Ireland but and also that you you knew him in, G- in Germany where you were living at the, at the time as well. is that right? Yeah, that's right.
1: And, and uh, what we'll get to soon, is and the reason I'm here today, I think, especially, is my court case that I've got in Germany this month. Um, yes, Jan-
0: January, yeah. Just to mention, because all the places that um, Kennedy traveled to during his deployment, I've got Italy, France, Spain, as you mentioned, Ireland, both sides of the border, Denmark, Poland, Scotland and also uh, the US which I hope we might speak to you about that a little bit at the end as well but yeah um so you bring you've brought a court case in germany regarding mark kennedy's activities within in germany um is that is that right can you yeah explain tell us more that's right that's right yeah personally personally i traveled with
1: mark um and uh, was uh, with mark and often in his Truck with him driving me around in the Republic of Ireland, Northern Ireland. Met him in Scotland. Uh, I stayed at his home in England. He was in Germany. Stayed at my home, and uh, I was in Poland with him as well. Of course, yes, he was in Denmark for the Climate Summit two thousand nine. He was in Iceland, actively helping and driving around people. So, I mean, his case has been discussed in parliaments, not only in the London City Parliament and the and the National Parliament. But the Icelandic parliament, I mean, he's been his problematic, his scandal that all this this trouble he's created has been discussed at minister level in Iceland, in the Republic of Ireland, in Germany. You know, in Germany, I've met with members of parliament multiple times. And the German policing minister or interior minister has written to England asking. Uh to have germany involved in in the undercover policing inquiry going on in london you know this has been really high level stuff and i've been fighting 11 years like many of us have been fighting since the outing of kennedy to get to the bottom of the undercover scandal and for a lot of us that means getting our own police files so in the in just in germany i'm leaving out here northern ireland where i've also got a case going on but um Scotland, all these places. I've been fighting eleven years in Germany to get my police file, and I've got little bits of it. Yeah. That's that's been interesting along the way.
0: Yeah, just to recap for people who aren't so familiar with the whole spy cops scandal. The actual the official state inquiry in in England is only res, is restricted to considering matters that happened within the England and, and Wales legal jurisdiction, which is. A nonsense in many ways, especially when it obviously, when it most obviously, a nonsense when it comes to Scotland and and the and the North of Ireland. But um, when you reach, um, Kennedy's deployment in the undercover policing inquiry, which won't be for like probably three years yet or something, um, we'll, we'll see if we we do get to see any of that international evidence or not. Um, but yeah, so you say you brought this court case in Germany. Could you? I mean, obviously, most people listening. Won't be too familiar with the German courts and what kind of court is it and what kind of case is it, Jason?
1: Yeah. So um, another thing that's quite difficult about this kind of eleven years of, of fighting this is that because Kennedy actually, you know, he met loads of people outside uh, the UK or even outside England, and as you mentioned, that undercover policing inquiry going on in London. It only covers England and Wales. So um, I have a German case going on. I'm also a core participant or something kind of like a state Mm -hmm. witness, if uh, if you will, in London. And when I applied to be there, the judge told me directly he doesn't want to hear about Germany, doesn't want to hear about anywhere else. Or, you know, he said it has it has to be relative to England. So I think the fact that also Mm -hmm. I had visited Kennedy and stayed at his home in Nottingham, that's what kind of got me in to be a core participant in, in London. And even though I spent much, much more time with Kennedy abroad, but that was kind of thrown out. So I just want to clarify when you say you wonder if this stuff will be allowed as evidence, what we've heard so far is that nothing outside of England and Wales should be allowed in.
0: Yeah. I mean, so in, so in the in the evidence that we've heard so far, there have been reports which are based outside England and Wales. So I mentioned, those, I think there was there was a trip to this Red Europe conference, I think, in the very early days, in the early 70s. And that is mentioned, and the officers did give evidence of them being outside um, England and Wales. So I think, as far as I can see, is that we might hear evidence... About stuff that went outside those areas, but it probably—I I don't know how they do it. I guess they'll exclude it from the the final report. Whenever, whenever that actually happens in like five or six, seven years time, or well, God knows. Um, but, it, but 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 it's really interesting what you've been you're saying because it just shows how ridiculous it is to have this. it's basically a completely if yeah you know, if, if the undercover cops can travel across these borders to cut off. The evidence at them is what at them is is just, just makes it ridiculous, doesn't it? Really.
1: Yeah. So let me answer your question about what's going on in Germany and, and um, getting to the end of this eleven-year story. After eleven years, it's finally coming to court. As of this um, interview, it's coming up in a couple of <laughs> weeks, and uh, and it's going to be big, no matter what the the verdict is, but. A lot of people don't know that these British undercover cops that went abroad apparently only did so with a contract, a written formal right. contract. And that's what Kennedy had after years and years of, um, you know, kind of lobbying, like activist lobbying, meaning going to parliament and, and just talking to members of parliament saying, what are you going to do about this British cop targeting mm-hmm. people here? Finally, after lots of questions and answers and, and in Germany, in the parliament, they're called. Um, small questions, or you can ask the government uh, parliamentary questions to get an answer. And they admitted that they had contracts with Kennedy and that this is standard practice. After many of these questions, it came out that actually across Europe, all members of the European Union have been meeting on an annual basis for, I believe it's something like two decades and coordinating at times informally with no publicly released notes, how they're going to share and exchange undercover police. And it was explained in the parliament that Mark Kennedy, uh, not only he had an agreement, but the German police had a formal agreement with his um, department, which was the national, the MPOIU, if you can say it, National Public Order Intelligence Unit, right? Yeah. So, you know, that's the way it's been going for decades. And it kind of came out that this is a big advantage and they do it all the time to send cops across borders because it's easier to in a very slimy way sneak into these activist groups. And, and what I'm talking about here are open public meetings that were not hidden. They were you know, advertised with big posters oh, yeah, yeah. on the internet with websites. Come to our open public meeting. These are the kind of meetings I went to. These are the kind of meetings Mark Kennedy uh, came to. And the police admit that it's easier to get foreigners to come and spy. So for example, here in Germany, if a new person would join in my group and, you know, I'm in, a, I'm in a part of Berlin and we might just ask the new person, hi, nice to meet you. You know, where are you from? They might say, oh, I'm from Berlin or I'm from Hamburg. And then we might say, oh, I have a friend in Hamburg. Did you yeah. do this kind of stuff there? And people kind of get to know each other. Just, you know, just how it works. And the cops found out and they have said this publicly now, better to get in this case, someone like Mark Kennedy, To come, And then obviously, if he comes to a meeting and they say, oh, where are you from, Nottingham, nobody in Germany probably knows someone in Nottingham, so they can't really check him out. Mm -hmm. And the cops know this and they do this. So if anyone in England didn't know until this podcast that your country, your government is sending undercover cops all over, then they're probably actually still doing it.
0: Bilateral, because we know at the G8, the one in Scotland, there was, I think, six undercover German police there, um, presumably on a much... Shorter deployment it would, presumably we don't know exactly they would have just been there for the actual uh, few days of the summit um, and also i mean we, we assume we could you could obviously you could pretty much guarantee if Germany had six cops there, then there would have be been undercovers from other European countries as well. you would have thought so this is a pan european thing um we're not i'm not saying that we're not saying because we don't know that um, other countries operate a similar system of long-term deployment, so we simply don't know that. So,
1: well, we know we know it now. Um, I mean, in England, it hasn't been reported, but in Germany, we also had these more okay. more parliamentary more parliamentary questions, and it came out that this is a regular practice. That other G eight summits, there have been a dozen people in German G eight summits. There have been ten or a dozen foreign undercover cops here. It's re- it's kind of regulated. They have contracts. This is known. I think it doesn't get in the British press press a lot, and I suspect that's a little bit because of it's it's an island and also with Brexit. Maybe people are looking inward. But uh, this is known.
0: I mean, yeah, because obviously Germans, ger- the political setup in Germany is different because it's a federal federal system. So are these undercovers in Germany? Are they run on a sort of federal level? Are they well, are they local to the to, to the? Are they you know, the devolved? You know, B- Bavaria?
1: Yes, they're devolved. In Germany, there are 16 um, regions uh-huh. or states. In Germany, it's called Länder. And so, actually, I've taken to court the, the, they're called LKA of the region where Mark Kennedy right. was for the G8 summit. That region is called Mecklenburg Vorpommern, mm-hmm. um, or Mecklenburg Pomerania, I think it is in English. And so, I'm taking the police. To court the police that had a contract with him, and basically the court case, what it's about to, in a nutshell, to make make it simple, is to say, was Mark Kennedy spying on me, illegal or not? And so my goal is that a judge or maybe a, a few judges are going to hear my case. The date is the twenty eighth of January, two thousand twenty two, and then they will decide or rule. Um, I'm not sure if it's right away or possibly within a couple of months, but okay. they will rule if Kennedy's spying was either illegal or legal according to the German constitution. Okay. So basically whether it's unconstitutional spying or constitutional and the way I see it, this has very big legal ramifications mm-hmm. and it, it sets a precedent. And I think it sends a big message to that undercover policing inquiry based in London, that they have to take this seriously. If other nations are deciding that British spying on, on foreign soil, in this case, Germany, if it's unconstitutional, then then the judge, Judge Mitting, he has to take this that much more seriously there in London. And it,
0: well, yeah, it just gives more context. It's, an, it's, another, it's another thing to bash them over the head with, <laughs> to get them to pay attention. And, uh, and also, I guess the international angle is kind of interesting from a media point of view as well. So, you know, um, yeah, so in terms of, we, I, I don't know how how technical you've got into the, to the legal system. What would make it unconstitutional, um, his, his being in German, his, um, being an undercover cop in Germany?
1: Right. Well, I, I'm learning this. And uh, as you can imagine, so as I, I told it's the listeners was. and you, I'm, I'm an American, basically. I was born in the States. I grew up there. Yeah, yeah. I was very active in the political system. Then I moved to Northern Ireland. When I was there, I spent a lot of time in the South or the Republic. So a little bit slowly, slowly, I learned about legal systems in the Republic of Ireland, Northern Ireland. Then I, I've been involved in this inquiry. I'm trying to learn about English law, and now I'm trying to learn about German law. And to do that in the German language, I tell you, was not easy. Well, I,
0: I bet, yeah. There's a lot of long, very long words in German. Yes. Oh, my
1: gosh. So, <laughs> um, so my lawyer just sent me a letter actually today. And thank goodness she speaks very good English. So she sends me a letter. Uh, explaining what in, in you know briefly what it means then i read the technical german but i can't understand it all so i go to Depot and do an automatic translation okay. which is usually good except for all this legal, legal stuff and i yeah. she says is this okay like how am i supposed to tell the legal the lawyer what's okay and not but i do my best and so to answer your question the technicalities are basically in my case as i mentioned i have been doing I've been going to open meetings, I've been writing press releases, I've been writing articles, mm-hmm. and so I wasn't doing anything illegal. Like that's okay. not illegal. It's not illegal to protest for climate. Like we, we can talk also maybe another time what's going on in England now with the, um, the policing bill and this big mm-hmm. kill the bill um, topic is very big in, in the UK, I think, as, as we're talking right now. So
0: Big demos everywhere tomorrow.
1: Yeah, so, so that's definitely an issue there is the, the British government and Boris Johnson tried to legalize all the kind of spying and well, stuff that Mark yeah. Kennedy was doing. But, but um, so in my case, what I was doing is not illegal. And not only that, but the key thing here is that there was no ongoing investigation mm-hmm. of me. So I've got a number of police files. And nowhere in there does it say that Jason ever did anything illegal. Jason, you know, me, I was not suspected of doing anything illegal. Um, I wasn't being followed to watch to see if I was doing anything illegal. And in fact, I've gotten to see some of my police files and they say that Jason is known not to be a frontline activist. That's a quote, not to be a frontline activist. He's seen more as a media face. And that Mm -hmm. is a quote from my police files. In other places, it it talks about that, that um, I do media work. Um, There are some other things that are looking like they might be illegal also in Germany. For example, in Germany, it's not legal to have someone's private data. And and you might know around Europe, there's this GDPR that people have the right to privacy and their own data, especially around health. I had had, um, health problems with skin cancer at the time, and there are comments about that in my police file. So there are a number of reasons, actually, that it looks like this spying was not legal.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's funny you say that about the GDPR. I was speaking to a lawyer over here who specialises in suing the police, and she says like the data date protection breaches is definitely a uh, could be a major avenue in well now in the, in the future to 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 hold the police to account. Um, but going back to the German stuff, have you seen any documents from on from the German side from your case? Have you had any disclosure?
1: Yes, I had. And, and starting in 2012. So as I mentioned this is going back 11 years for me. And right when this came out, even a German member of parliament made statements they were, that were in the British press, in The Guardian. For example, a member of parliament said that he wants to get to the bottom of this. And as far as he can tell, it looks like there could be illegality. So it's been a big topic here, specifically um, 2012. Sorry, I lost my place. I get so steamed up. So I got this police file and uh, I had a very good lawyer, actually a very good human rights lawyer from a big firm. And he wrote to these German police. And German has, Germany has a few different police agencies. One's called the Police uh, for Protecting the Constitution. It's a funny name in there, funny police. And anyways, they, um, they sent something back after very much back and forth. First, they didn't want to give us anything. And then after more legal letters, they said, okay, we're not going to give you Jason's file. But we're going to synopsize it for you and give you a few bullet points. So I got something like, I think it was an 11-page letter with around 20 bullet points. And every one of these things listed legal things. They said, we know that Jason Kirkpatrick was a a vice mayor, a deputy mayor from California. Like, oh, oh great. You know, why is that in my police file? Jason gave an interview with Greenpeace magazine. Jason gave an interview with German Der Spiegel magazine about spy Mark Kennedy. Jason Kirkpatrick gave a lecture about this by Mark Kennedy. There's nothing illegal, so I wonder, what are they doing here?
0: I mean, going back to the whole legality, being illegal behavior and doing anything illegal, I mean, having now gone through with my colleagues all the files that have been released from Tranche 1 of the undercover policing inquiry, i say 99% of those files, the reports from the Special Branch Reports they don't record criminal behavior they record the sort of weekly meetings of of a variety of groups yeah
1: I mean one of the things in my police files it says that I wrote an article um, about state repression against g eight activists, so actually, I think this is what gets revealed in my court case here in Germany that I was doing communications mm-hmm. work. I was very public, I was vocal, it says that in my police files, Jason is known um as as an intelligent person who speaks well on these issues and he's seen as a media face. That's who they want to stop. They want to stop people who are not afraid to speak out and who are actually making them look bad. That gets really clear. And a personal story, I think I've never told this to anybody before, but one time Mark Kennedy came to Berlin and um, he called me and, and I think I knew him for around, Five years. I met him in 2005. And if I remember right, the last email or text we had was around 2000, 2010. And one of the last times he came to Berlin, he said, Jason, I'm in Berlin and the police are following me and I'm afraid. I was thinking, oh, my friend, Mark, you know, at the time, my friend, Mark, ah, what's he done? He hasn't done anything wrong. And I got really pissed off and I felt sorry for him. And I felt I felt like, oh, he's in a bad way. He, he sounded para- paranoid and terrified. And we found I, I find out now, you know, looking back with what we know, he's probably faking something right to to entrap me or I don't know what he's trying to do. So he called me and he sounded panicking, he says, Jason, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. These cops are following me. I can't lose them. I'm like, you've done nothing wrong. Tell me, Mark, tell me where they are and I'll come down, I'll get in their face and I'll tell them to fuck off. And in English, I'm going to tell them to get lost. Sorry, I don't know if you can say the F word or not on a podcast.
0: Well, I mean, it's, it's to get in your confidence, isn't it? Saying you know, I mean... So,
1: I think he was anyways. And um, Anyways, I thought, you know, there's, there's nothing that, that my friend has done wrong that deserves this. Now, uh, looking back, I think he was trying to scare me or see if I, I had something to be scared about. Who knows? But
0: um, I think at the first climate camp that he... The, very, the first climate camp in Yorkshire, he said it when he got arrested, he said he got beaten up by the police. It just you know, it just adds to the kudos. You're being followed, you're being stopped, being arrested, beaten up, you know, just one of those things is like, obviously, that's the sort of thing you'd hear from a, a genuine activist. So it's just one of those, it's just a bit of tradecraft, really, you know, just further trying to inveigle. His way into your confidence, I guess.
1: Yeah. the other The other thing that um, I would like to make very clear also about Mark Kennedy is this topic of, of him being a Jean provocateur, because I've heard this a few times. And in <laughs> my case specifically, I remember one time we were in Berlin, we were going out to the pub and coming home late late at night. And as I mentioned, I'd done communications things around climate, G eight protest, and um, <laughs> of course, like most normal yeah. people, I don't like Nazis or neo Nazis, but I'm not active. Sure. I'm not an active anti-fascist campaigner, but Mark Kennedy asked me out of the blue one time. He said, hey, Jason, do you know any bad neo-Nazis? Um, because as he explained, he had a crew in England and he could come over to Germany. And if I could name and point out a bad neo-Nazi that needed sorting out, that's what I remember him saying that he had a crew and we could come over and sort them out. So if I would propose a name, he would come over and sort them out with me. And... And this, for me, is clearly a kind of a Jean Provocateur thing. Like, I had never brought up doing anything like that, knowing knowing anything about that. I was not involved in any group like that. And I had known him fairly well, I thought, for four years. So for him to come out and propose that, that was one time, I have to be honest, where I'm like, what's going on with this guy? This is a bit odd.
0: There's several things off with that. The idea of bringing anti-fascists over... (laughs) From the UK to Germany, where there's quite a lot of anti-fascists, um, it just seems a bit weird, doesn't it? And yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's a few things. Yeah, I mean, he he definitely. I mean, most of the undercovers, as we mentioned before, in the on the Spy Cops podcast, didn't really indulge in that kind of Asian provocateur stuff. But Kennedy was certainly was one of the the handful that did that we 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 know of. Um, so that's you know with it, yeah. In character, but also in character with him building himself up as this militant anti-fascist guy as well as part of his persona. Um, so yeah, right.
1: As you mentioned before, this tactic of mirroring—I think that's what it's called. Like Kennedy, you know, was was good at mirroring, and this is something people ask me a lot because I do a lot of public speeches, and they say, "Well, what can we? Use, what can we do to spot undercover cops?" And well, that's one thing, and and I think a lot of us have gotten to see that after we've compared kind of notebooks after all these cops have come out like what can you look for and we we learned this tactic in the case of Mark Kennedy when he came to Germany he would often wear a St Pauli t-shirt it's a it's a german football club a soccer football club that is yeah, anti-fascist you know they've been anti-racist for a long time and he would tell everyone that he likes saint Pauli, and, and that goes over quite well in <laughs> germany with people who don't like neo-nazis which is probably 99 percent of society and in england he might have been telling people something else i'm not sure what he yeah said.
0: didn't he, cause he he came over didn't he t- to get a, didn't he get a, a, a very extensive a tattoo when he was in berlin as well do you know about that
1: <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. I remember he, he got it. And then we went to a, a tattoo fest. It was during the timing of a tattoo convention. And uh, we went out for drinks at the the party after the tattoo convention. That was kind of a funny story that they said, right. do you guys have tickets? And uh, Mark just showed his tattoo and said, is that ticket good enough for you? And they're like, right, mate, come on. In. And then we got right in. So, you know, I can imagine on, on a human level, this guy, as we know, he had, he had a family and, uh, and um, from what they have said mm. in the press a long time ago, you know, it, they didn't feel like they were fairly treated. And Mark seemed to be enjoying his life, getting tattoos and going to parties somewhere else. Well, so. so
0: it seems. Yeah. Basically, is there anything else you want to say about Kennedy in Germany or your interactions with him there or, or anywhere else?
1: Well, it's a I'll just tell you, it's a big deal. I was on the phone wow. with TV and press today and this week. And, uh, you know, it's a big deal when you get big newspapers saying, can I have that as an exclusive? Can you hold that exclusive to me for just two days? So that's, that's the state it's in right here. And um, Germany's national TV, it's called ARD or, or ZDF. It's kind of like BBC One or BBC Two. So um, a ZDF film team is coming, a three-person film crew to the court Not case. Right. They're doing interviews. They're doing whatever shooting they can around there. They're making a documentary about this case and um so far it's planned to be one third about this case with with my court case and Mark Kennedy, and another third about another German undercover cop who was outed also in two thousand and eleven. His name was Simon oh yeah, I remember he was, yeah yeah, he was spying on people in two thousand and eleven was the same time frame that it came out and then in Hamburg, Germany, there were a few cases actually that came out a few years ago where activists also un- uncovered i think it was three undercover cops, and one thing that's uh, quite scandalous here is one of these women undercover cops apparently had an intimate relationship mm-hmm. with an activist and which is absolutely a no-go and when it came out about Kennedy and you know he admitted himself that he had multiple relations mm-hmm. he talked about it in the in the British Parliament when they hadn't come testify he admitted it and in the German Parliament in that year 2011 some members of Parliament asked the head of the police the, his name is Jörg Zierke. And they said, is that allowed, this kind of sexual relations here? And he said, absolutely not. He said um, something like this gate garnish, it's it's a no-go or absolutely not. And that's a big deal. So when it came out in 2016, 17 or 18 that a German cop did that, that was quite bad. So um, this topic is, oh, they're always asking me about it. That I don't talk about it that much because that wasn't the case for me personally here. So, yeah, but yeah. um, but it's been in the German press since 2011 that Kennedy was here. He had intimate relations. It's been said openly that um, Kennedy had relations with uh, uh, women in Germany. Right. That's been said a lot. And uh, it's just its a big issue. So I think it's really important that that this case is happening uh, at the end of January. And then we'll we'll see yeah. what happens with the verdict. I mean, it's
0: really great that you persevered with it because I, I guess... I mean, I, I know you've got your lawyers, but I, I guess you, um, it's been a bit more of a struggle to do it over there in Germany when they feel like, I feel like most people were involved in the in the spike-up scandal are, are based in in the UK. Um, so, yeah, well done for, for carrying on the battle there.
1: Thank you. Thank you. I've, I, luckily, I have been in touch or on email lists, what have you, with with uh, friends, colleagues there in, in the UK, and it's been nice to even, you know, by, by email feel like I'm part of a community. So... It is a bit tough here on my own, but I'm lucky that I have been active here. I do have a number of friends that, that support me also with this press work this week. A few people are helping out. Kennedy did meet a number of people here mm-hmm. over the years that he came, and uh, a lot of them haven't forgotten what he's done. Yeah, yeah. And luckily, they've stuck, stuck by and helped me out a bit. And I'm really thankful for all that support.
0: Things you flagged up you might, um, Kennedy being in the, in the US. Is that, is that right, Jason?
1: Right, right. We know a little bit about that. And a little bit has been in the press. He And he said himself that he worked for the FBI. I think this was during his testimony in the British Parliament. He he spoke at the Home Affairs Select Committee. And um, also when his passport was found, his real passport, he had a USA work permit. And if I remember right, it was valid for one or two more years when it was found. And you don't get a USA work permit very easily. So actually in the Parliament, He said that he was working for the FBI and that he had helped the LA County Sheriff in Los Angeles. And he said he'd worked with a group called the Densis Group. I
0: I remember him, there was a claim, I think by him, that he was working for a private firm. But then, yeah, yeah. Was it somewhere in the Midwest he was based or something like that? I can't really, yeah, I can't recall now
1: as of a few years ago they had offices in Texas and California Beverly Hills.
0: Oh okay, maybe maybe it was the Texas one I was I was thinking. Obviously that's not the Midwest at all. But <laughs> um yeah, so yeah, so that's because we know that he he went to a meeting, didn't he, whilst he was still a police officer in New York and met up with some I think some French activists. Yeah, a number
1: of people. There's also an American that uh, mentioned being targeted by Kennedy there. His name is Harry Halpin, and he's also a... participant. Yeah, well, he's an American who's been working around different parts of Europe and on uh, yeah. a big case called the Tarnac case in France. Um, people can look it up because it's, it's also fascinating. It's called Tarnac, T-A-R-N-A-C, And that was a community where there were a bunch of people trying to build an alternative Mm -hmm. community or kind of like commune or more community. And Kennedy had infiltrated and then people got arrested and some of them went to jail for a while. I, I, I don't know how long. They were found innocent in 2018, 2018, after being charged for like extremist or terrorist charges facing them for I think it was also nine years from 2009 to 2018. Um, you know, they were had these serious charges, and then the court like basically threw it out and said that they're innocent. So, um,
0: and I think one of the reasons was wasn't there a bunch of evidence that was that stemmed that came from Kennedy or from the MPIOU? and then I, I can't recall exactly. I, they didn't want to disclose the evidence, or it it, it was. Was was ruled invalid in some way, um, yeah.
1: Yes, it's very controversial, and there's a very good report I was looking at today from State Watch. So if you search on the internet for State Watch, Mark Kennedy and Tarnak, T A R N A C, you'll find it. And the British police didn't want Kennedy's name coming out, but it did. And because you know it's one scandal after the next with that guy Mark Kennedy, and. So it's like gets heaped on and heaped on and heaped on. I mean, he lied in, in the British Parliament when they asked him how many relationships he had. He he lied about that number. We all know that everybody who knows anything about this case knows that that's a lie. And um and then in the Tarnak case, you know, his evidence didn't stack up. So these people were charged with extremist crimes for years. Then they were, you know, it took, I think, nine years of yeah, them yeah. fighting also. And p- let me let me just make this clear. People aren't making money out of this, you know. I'm working 11 years here and I'm not getting money. I the, the reason I like to do it is because I feel like I'm winning. And when I get this our side of the story in the press telling the truth about what the state does to people, the kind of people, you know, and and I think it should be said again, right? What are the kinds of activists that these police have been targeting? Women's groups, in the early seventies, you know, going to going to meetings where people are trying to get kids' school lunches paid for—that's what that's what's come out in the British undercover policing inquiry. Or in nineteen sixty-eight, people who wanted to stop the Vietnam War, a wildly unsuccessful war. You know, women who want equal rights and food for their kids. Um, we've heard about the gay rights movement being targeted. Um, you know, any any kind of cause for any kind of justice, climate. You know, twenty or thirty years ago. People would say, we're not sure there's climate problems, but now nobody denies there's climate change, including Boris Johnson, yet they send their undercover police to neutralize these groups any way they can.
0: I mean, that's right. I mean, that that's, I mean, if you like, one of the many things you draw from all the state surveillance that's happened over the last 50 years plus is that the surveillance was directed at groups who wanted to change the status quo in some way. I mean, yeah. In a, in a variety of ways and, in, and, and to various levels of success, but I mean, it wasn't against crime, it wasn't against extremism or, or however you want to define it. It was simply people tro- wanting wanting to make a difference.
1: Um, yeah, let's talk about the motivation. So sometimes people ask me this too, especially folks that maybe aren't so familiar with the topic. Are like, well, why would the police be doing that? Why would they send people to target climate groups? And well. You know, the the it's kind of common knowledge that there's a rotating door between the energy industry or the fossil fuel industry and government, right? Mm-hmm. So, you get these big energy companies that are talking about getting billions of of uh, pounds of subsidies to build a new energy plant, and then maybe some climate activists in in the years 2008 or nine, they might want to go and make a protest at your coal um, coal energy mm-hmm. factory, and it, you know, might give you a bad reputation. So what we, what has happened? You know, these these company executives or their lobbyists have gone to government and said, you know, these nice environmentalists are making us look bad. Can you please put some in prison or, get, you know, get rid of their groups or else we're not going to build in a new energy plant. And the politicians, they want the votes, they want the donations. So what do they do? They send their cops. So it's, you know, it's taxpayer money on the one hand subsidizing these fossil fuel Uh, companies like i i know because it's part of my work that last year 5.9 trillion dollars u.s dollars were spent to subsidize the fossil fuel industry so these companies are getting money hand over foot like handouts from taxpayers oh yeah they get subsidies you know they get all the roads built the government sometimes pay for the power lines like the same in england with the train scandal like What's profitable Profitable running the trains and what's not is maintaining the tracks nice so that idea. the taxpayer and the British government take over the responsibility for maintaining the train tracks and then the profitable part gets sold off to whoever Virgin or I, I don't know, whoever else. So uh, yeah. oh, you know, yeah. where's the money? Great.
0: Um, yeah, thanks for that. Um, so the other, the other, if you like, thing, the other arm of the... <laughs> whole spy cop scandal you were involved with it was actually a, a judicial review um based in in the north of ireland um which challenged the the, the limitations of the inquiry as i understand that it took to england and wales and it was a challenge basically to extend it to the north of ireland um i don't know if you want to speak about that at all jason
1: sure sure and this is this is also a, a story in itself um That's another thing people can look up a lot in the papers. And thank goodness Amnesty International Northern Ireland has been backing me on this since kind of the beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, in my case, I met Mark Kennedy, as I mentioned, in Dublin. We were in his truck. He drove along with these other other good activist folks um, and, and myself. He drove us around the Republic and across the border into Northern Ireland. So Mark Kennedy, with his money or government money, Drove me to Northern Ireland. That's where that starts. When um, I was named then as a, <clears throat> excuse me, a core participant in the the London-based undercover policing inquiry, which covers England and Wales, but not Northern Ireland, then it kind of didn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Like the judge told me, I can talk about what happened in England and Wales, but I couldn't talk about Northern Ireland. It makes no sense when Mark and he drove me across the border there. You know all this stuff. So no i found another human rights lawyer and and uh started to raise a stink and we filed um legal papers and then i had a judicial review and i cleared the first round in 2018 i think was my victory there then we've had a couple of things first the government fell apart mm-hmm. and uh they didn't know what to do in northern ireland uh politically it was a bit tough and then corona on top of that so that court day, the court stuff has been put on hold since 2018. Also, unfortunately, um, I've run out of money. So we haven't been able to drive up enough money for the lawyer. So right. if anybody's listening to this and they want to kick down some money to, to pay a lawyer to bring forward that judicial review in Northern Ireland, please get in touch with me or, or this podcast and let us know how you can help because we'd really like to bring that forward and a bit of money will help.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because so we just to give a bit of context, we know that quite uh, in a quite early days there were one or two undercovers who went over to North of Ireland around 1968, 1969, the birth of the the civil rights movement there. Um, so obviously there was clearly undercovers there, um, at least at that point. And there was also there was a bunch of undercovers who infiltrated various Irish civil rights groups i guess you called them like the anti-interment league and the troops out movement um plenty of sort of like irish related infiltrations going on um so yeah
1: definitely i mean it's been said that it's a pandora's box over there in northern ireland and it came out through the police files that were released i think a year ago at the undercover policing inquiry Mm that these undercover police from Mark Kennedy's unit, which had a, had a different name, as many people know earlier, called the STS, the Special Demonstration Squad, they have been targeting Northern Irish groups, sometimes the London chapters, like the Northern Irish Civil yes. Rights Association, and they are the ones that organized the Bloody Sunday March. Mm. And some key Northern Irish organizers, Eamon McCann and Bernadette Devlin at the time, mcallensky Maka- I think she's called now, yeah. They were um, targeted also when they gave lectures, and uh, Northern Ireland definitely has to be has to be included somehow in this inquiry, and that's what my court case in Northern Ireland's about. That's been reported in the Times, um, the Times Ireland, all over the place, Belfast Telegraph, BBC. So have a look, <laughs> search again or Mark Kennedy or or undercover police and Northern Ireland, and and what a Pandora's box this case is. And one of the the things that came out of these German parliamentary questions also when they were asking, how was Mark Kennedy's spying abroad, meaning in Germany, how was that regulated? And it came out that there was this group, um, an international working group on exchange of undercover police. And then there was another question, well, who is in that grouping? And they said it's members of the EU plus other informal ad hoc, uh, other nation states as needed on a you know on a one off basis, and they said USA was at these meetings, oh, yeah. Israel, Ukraine. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's in the state
0: that State Watch report. Now it reminds me that yeah. I read it many years, years ago. Yeah, State Watch. Yeah, right. yeah, that's definitely. Yeah, you know, we we'll put the links on uh, on the podcast. We we'll put all these links on so, so people can find out more for sure. Anything else you'd you want to add?
1: With all of the, all of this work and all this scandal and and all that going on, I just want to mention that. T- for me, in a way, this is really inspiring, because if you're targeted by an undercover cop, it means you're doing something right. and I find that in a way as really um, a nice confirmation in a way that I'm doing something effective. So somehow, if I'm talking about the climate and, and in my case, I feel like I'm doing a good job, then it, it's like, "Oh well, this guy was targeting me because I'm doing a good job." And I just want to say also I've been so thankful for all the people that I've met through this struggle so other people fighting on the, on the front lines of these battles in the court or wherever. I've met people like Helen Steele and Kate Wilson, who I find incredibly inspiring. A number of folks, people doing these, these cops blogs, the campaign opposing police surveillance, the URG, the undercover research group, is doing fantastic work. I've, I've got to meet these people over, over the years, a lot of them, and, and you now, Chris, for the, for the first time. And they're really nice folks. And I count them among my friends, my dear and trusted friends. And on occasion, you know, we have holidays together or um, we meet up and, and we go out wherever to the pub or wherever. And there are people I really like, you know, and in a way I feel like this has been a bit of an 11 year struggle. And these are kind of really solid friends for life. And I'm very thankful for that. So I'm not happy about having to spend time dealing with <laughs> lawyers and so on, but, but the rest of it, you know, there is definitely a benefit for me. And I was traveling just last month and, and staying with a couple of people. Uh, that have been working on these things too and these are really solid folks and I just, I'm really, really grateful and I'm really, really thankful for that. I just want to put that out there as well.
0: I swear it's good to hear isn't there's a positive side of these things as well. So yeah, great. Thanks so much for that, Jason. To find out more about this topic visit SpyCops.info. Follow us on social media at spikeopsinfo and please give us a rating or a view wherever you listen to podcasts.